Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Can't Teach Size, a hockey podcast. My name is Brady. I'm, of course, joined by my co-host, Liss. Uh, we are now firmly into the postseason, uh, into the second round. Uh, and Alyssa and I have a little more free time than we were hoping to, uh, as as the Jets are, are not in the playoffs anymore. But we'll we'll talk a little bit about the uh, you know the first round. We'll talk a little bit about uh, you know our our Jets demise and, and everything there. But we'll we'll save that till the end of the show. Before then, we'll talk a little bit about uh, what has already happened and what we expect to happen. But first off, Liss, how are you doing? And how is your bracket doing right now? Well, I am doing interestingly. It's always this weird like limbo of time between when you start work full time and when you've been in school full time where it's like today I like washed my windows and like watched Gossip Girl and then played piano. Like I was just doing all kinds of weird things and I was like I never do any of these things. Um so like I'm doing well cuz I have some free time like you said which is great. Um, but my bracket cannot say the same. Um, we will be talking a little bit about our brackets and our predictions and how all of those went very south very quickly uh, throughout the course of this episode. As far as teams that won, I got a couple of them right, less than I would have liked. And the I only got one matchup, though, right in who won and in what number of games. Any guesses as to what bracket that would have been? Uh, well, I just threw up your, your bracket onto the screen here so we can have a look. Uh, why, why don't you let us know? Why don't you let us know? <laughs> well, unfortunately for my mental health, the only one that I got actually right was Leafs in six, um, over the Tampa Bay Lightning, which was inevitable. I think that was kind of the perfect storm that they had conjured up there. Obviously, if it had gone to seven, things might have looked a little bit different for them. Um, and Tampa was a decent team this year, so they had some life to them and all that goodness. So um, Leafs and Six is not an egregious prediction. That was not my boldest by any means, but it was the only one that I ended up with that was anywhere near correct. Um Looking across the board at a couple of other ones, um, fumbled the bag on Colorado, fumbled the bag on Boston. Um, Dallas, I had way too much confidence in. They still won, of course, which was good, but I thought they were going to sweep Minnesota because I hate the Minnesota Wild and I think they suck. Um, Jets, too much confidence. Isles, too much confidence. Um, I was at such a toss-up between New York and New Jersey where I was like, if I could put this in my bracket, I'd be like, it's going to seven and it's going to end in overtime in every single game because I feel like these teams are so tightly matched. So I wasn't surprised, but of course I chose on the coin flip the Rangers because why wouldn't I? Um, so my bracket is kind of in shambles, Brady, if I'm being honest with you right now. That's I, I, I like how you said uh, fumbled the bag on Boston, but let's be honest here. Boston fumbled the bag on itself. Uh, but we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, I, I, you know, as far as brackets going, not not to pat myself on the back, but I, I did. I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. I'll throw it up on the screen right now. Um, so basically, right, the, the the one series or the two, sorry, the the couple series I got wrong here were uh, obviously Boston. I don't think I don't think anyone can can be really too you know upset with anyone for getting the Boston series incorrectly. But uh, if you chose the Panthers, good for you. Uh, maybe you saw something in in Paul Maurice, and uh, and maybe we'll talk about about that later on. <laughs> I literally just now got a notification from the score um, with the title being Maurice refreshed in Florida, and the like little quote is Panthers coach lost love of the game before resigning from Jets. So I live in hell, actually. <laughs> Uh, there's been a lot of great hot takes being like, oh, the Jets should have kept Maurice. Um, but but anyways, I digress. Um, just to round out my my bracket here, the the only other ones were, again, Colorado. I, I, I'm not surprised that 
uh, Seattle actually beat them, considering I think on, on our last pod, we were kind of talking about, you know, the, the depth that Seattle has, um, you know, and, and obviously you look at all the injuries Colorado had. We'll, we'll talk about the series later, but uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. I mean, and, you know, I, I have to put I had to put Winnipeg getting through in the first round. Um, we'll, we'll we'll get into why we thought that and uh, how we're feeling today about it uh, in a bit. But other than that, my bracket is still looking pretty healthy. I had, um, you know, Edmonton and Boston in the final uh so obviously boston is kind of kind of kind of shot but i i still believe in the in the oilers unfortunately um and uh and looking at the you know the east other than than boston i was i was perfect in the first round so i uh i can't complain i'm, I'm feeling good about my bracket maybe i'll get a, a decent amount of points here and you know only dropping two series that um you know, that weren't the, 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 you know, the crazy upset for Boston. Uh, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, but anyways, let's get into talking, uh, about, you know, the, the previous, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in depth on, on those series here, and then also kind of talk about, uh, the second round, uh, series that are coming up with the teams. Uh, we're going to start in the Eastern conference lists. Uh, I know that you you've had a little little birdie chirping in your ear talking to you about the Islanders a lot recently. Uh, one of your your good pals, Mike Bartner, has been uh, never shuts up about them, uh, even though he's an honorary Jets so fan true. now. Um, you know, obviously the the Canes one in six here. Uh, were you surprised? I I note that you did have the Islanders winning that series. Uh, are you surprised? Yeah. How how what did you think about that series? I no, I'm not surprised. That was again one of those where it's like I feel like the Islanders can figure it out and all that goodness. Like there there was a lot of stuff there that I had some faith in that team and they just didn't pan out in a couple of different areas. Their stars sucked. Like Bo Horvat, where was he? Matt Barzell, mm, girl, where like there was just not a lot coming from those guys where if they had produ- been producing like a goal a game, it would have changed everything, right? And you can always say that in hindsight, so that's not really fair of me to fair me to do but like you know when the new york islander you hear the most about is pierre engvall you know you have an issue right so um <laughs> I just that was no it's true he was kind of slang though like i won't lie with you but like it was just not like they're they're good guys like even Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, like I didn't see a whole ton from them where we needed to see it if you wanted to see that alice team win um carolina is just such a weird team to me and i'm so excited to watch a little bit more of this um, this matchup of them against New Jersey, which obviously we'll talk a little bit more about because I feel like they're just like two of the most like vibes wise, very similar teams, style of play wise, two of the most polar opposite teams that you could possibly mm-hmm. find. So it's going to be really interesting to see that. Um, but Carolina was a better team in that series and they were a better team during the regular season. So I shouldn't be overly shocked. Um, so Canes and six is not a crazy, um, you know, term of events, but in any capacity for me. Yeah, I I was not surprised. I believe on our, our previous show, I I had the Canes going through, and you know the Canes have been one of those teams that like for for years now we've always been talking about like oh they could really make some noise in the playoffs. I think this might be the year that they do it, but it was really interesting to see. I think they started the 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 series with anti Ranta in that, um, and yeah, they were weird with their goaltending. I think Freddie Anderson started like the last game and that was it or something it was very odd but uh but i don't think goaltending really matters because i think i think regardless of those three you know three goalies they have anderson kachetkov and uh and ranta all three of them can can play and keep that team in it and just the 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 canes are just a team that like have such a good structure i love their their meant their like not culture, but like their mentality, their approach to hockey as a game. I love Rod Bridmore as a coach. Um, 
So I'm really not surprised, even though they lost Evgeny, or not, ooh, not Evgeny Svechnikov, Andrei Svechnikov. Sorry, the worst Svechnikov brother they lost. Yes. <laughs> uh, even though they lost him, I, I, um, you know, I, I was not surprised to see that they, they got through. Um, I didn't think it was going to be maybe as easy as it looked. Uh, I would have expected Sorokin to maybe steal, uh, uh you know, I guess uh, do a little it's bit. It's just better. hard when your team has no possession over the course of like the entire series. <laughs> yeah, and I guess they did take him to to six games. I, w- I maybe would have expected to tr- maybe go to seven if if Sorokin could maybe steal another one, but uh say la vie it is what it is the right team moved on um and then uh and then you know unless you have anything else you want to say on that series uh we move on to the devils and rangers where the devils come out in seven on top of their uh their manhattan uh rivals i would say um what how how are you feeling are you excited to see that the devils finally uh you know i feel like that's another one of the teams kind of similar to the canes maybe in a, a lesser extent that like for years maybe and when I say lesser extent, I mean like, uh, hey, they're going to make the playoffs this year, not like, hey, they're going to go far in playoffs. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we saw a ridiculous year from the Devils. They finally turned it around. Jack Hughes looks insane. And uh, and yeah, that 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 Rangers series um, were you, you know, I saw you did once again have have the losing team. You had the Rangers going through. I defended myself earlier, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's my bone to pick with that series. I was so excited for that series i thought it was just going to be crazy fun and there was a lot of really fun stuff in it but i'm sorry the fun i was looking for was not chris Kreider and company being like i where was artemi panarin where was patrick kane where was mika zabinajad i wanted all of those guys to be elite like Timo Meyer was like kind of nowhere also like he was fine um but like Jack Hughes was so good Nico Heischer was so good like a lot of their players were so good on New Jersey and it was so fun the stars I'm just gonna be throwing because I am such a your star power will win for you not if they play like shit and that's what happened in New York like they were just not present at all like I was pretty disappointed with um some of those higher paid higher caliber scoring guys on the rangers but i gotta say this whole akira schmidt thing is definitely the most fun part of this entire series to come so far absolutely and uh you know the devils were kind of looking for a goalie for a while now they figured out Mackenzie blackwood wasn't the guy uh i really liked what vtech fan told them that for free but like whatever <laughs> well at one point blackwood was well, like blackwood was like almost a, a team canada goalie and that maybe has something more to say about yeah. the goalies the canada's produced as of late but also true also true but returning there, it's like Vitek Vanacek was great this year, but it, it just seemed like he didn't have it right at the start of that series. And uh, Akira Schmid, com- Schmid, Schmid, I don't know, coming into this series. I say Schmid, I have no idea. Like what? Did, how? Like what was his his like? Uh, did he not get like a shutout in two of the games? Or I know definitely I, one definitely of the games. Definitely at least but, one, yeah. But like, but, yeah, he, and he was like making like it was one of at least the second game I believe that wasn't a shutout. Like, at the end of the game, or I don't know, there were just a couple of situations where the Rangers were putting everything they had on him, and he was just flying about. It was so much fun. Like, it, it was awesome. So, yeah, it's always was, nice to have those feel-good stories. He was, uh, he he had two shutouts in that series, and Game Dang 7, game seven shutout, and... Uh, oh, my God. And uh, I think Game 5, I believe. That's um, unbelievable. Crazy. Like, I, and, but also, and- also, also, when you employ the third highest paid player in the league and it's not Patrick Kane and you have both of those guys on your team and you get shut out in game seven on a in a year when your team was buying at the deadline and your goaltender won the Bezina last year Mm -hmm. are you joking are you serious right now 
I just gotta say, I, I love to see my enemies perish. Uh, I love, love, there love to see the demise of Patrick Kane. That guy stinks. Uh, and this is definitely not any sort of yeah. biased thing going back to when I used to be a Canucks fan and uh, the the Blackhawks absolutely fucking smoked the, the Canucks in the playoffs multiple times. No, absolutely not. I would never hold a grudge for that reason at all. Well, um, I was a Blackhawks fan when that was going on and I hate him too. So, you know, Liz, you don't, you don't there. have to, you don't have to share that such embarrassing uh, <laughs> topics with the, with the world. You know, you don't have to t- tell That's everyone how you everything. cope with your embarrassing, your, your, drama and your grief my god well, uh, anyways <laughs> but i am glad to see and i also i think i think it also is a win for for stats people all around because it's like everyone has been saying that patrick kane is washed for so long and man like he had one one game where he like absolutely popped off in the series maybe two i don't know but he was a non-factor in well i mean two of the games obviously were shutouts so that's a non-factor and actually probably even a negative factor because he's dog shit at, you know, 5v5. Um, I was going to say, Patrick Kane is what they want you to think Mark Shifley is. Uh, I mean, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, so it, it was awesome to see a Kirish mid come in and, and, you know, kind of take over the net there. It's always good to see someone like step in and like take claim over a job, you know? Um and I, I sent a, a text to one of my group chats and was like, Ayo, Akira Schmid, Con Smythe bet 50, plus 1500 might not be that bad. And then one of my wife goes, Absolutely not. Like, he's like, When when has that ever happened? I just literally went, Cam Ward, like 2006, you know, the last time that any of these teams in the playoffs won a, uh, you know, won a, a cup. Which I must say is exciting as hell. I hate when we get to a Stanley Cup final. It's like this team won three years ago and this team won last year. It's like, Oh, no one cares. It's it's Boston and Tampa. It's Tampa and uh, fucking yeah. It's so anyways. Colorado or whoever. Yeah. So LA. It, no it, one cares. It's very good for for parody. And there was a really tough era of hockey where it was just like around the 2010s, where it was like, oh, fucking Blackhawks, Kings, Blackhawks, Bruins, Blackhawks. Yeah, uh, yeah Caps are good. Too. Penguins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. We were all there for that. Um, but we're Sucked. moving on to a new era. It's a new era in the NHL, and we'll we'll get a new uh, a new cup champ. Well, for you know, at least since two thousand six. Um, but anyways, Devils look really good. I I I like what they brought. They got kind of slapped in the first game uh, against the Canes, um, five to one, I believe. And uh, you know, Akira Schmid. Schmid was a, a seven two seven, so maybe that's just you know adapting to a team that was uh not or you know a better team because also if you like that the Rangers were just bad like they did not deserve to mm-hmm. win like it was that wasn't like one where bounces went the wrong way and this and like that was a, a no. team that just got yeah. beat by the Devils. Um. Anyways, I'm I'm curious what your obviously we know that the you know the the Carolina Hurricanes are already up one game. Uh, what would be your prediction had you not known that? Uh, and I guess now that you do know that, does that change it at all? Yeah, like going into this, like my I had this thing that like whoever wins that New York New Jersey series wins the Metro type of thing, and not that it's always you play in your division or whatever, but basically it was like winner of that makes the Cup final in my opinion, or not Cup final, pardon me, conference final. And I still stand by that to be honest with you. I think New Jersey can pull it together a little bit. I think they're a group that's resilient enough in the sense that. The pressure is almost non-existent for them. Their fans are just excited. They have years ahead of them to be good. And they're just excited to be here kind of thing. And I feel like there's so much pressure around some of these players and some of these teams that it's just like, 
it makes it so much more difficult. Um, like, I feel like they're just going to vibe their way through, if I'm being honest with you. And I also think that they just rely so heavily on just clean, nice transition game. And I think when momentum goes in their direction they're a much harder team to contain than a lot of other teams that are currently in the playoffs other than like the oilers or something like that like carolina is just so chip and hound and corral heavy and all that stuff where i feel like that has the possibility of having a few more loose uncontrolled pucks being chipped up the ice to a jack hughes who's being sprung away or whatever i just feel like there's potential for them to get a few good pucks going in their direction and just start running up the ice and running up the ice and I don't know. I don't trust goaltending in Carolina at all. And I would have said the same thing about New Jersey, but, and I still do not really trust the goaltending there. I feel like it's going to be a track meet in a weird capacity where the both teams are playing very different styles of offense. So I really don't know. I'm, I'm excited to watch and it's going to be a really fun series to watch as like a hockey fan who just really enjoys the game. Cause I don't really have stakes in either of these two teams. Um, but yeah, I, I still go New Jersey even though they're they're down one. I don't know. I, I think that that team has something fun in them that I think is going to be really difficult for Carolina to manage. For sure, yeah. I, I think it it's really interesting. I, I'm looking at my bracket right now, and I did have this this matchup together, and I did put the Devils ahead um, of the two. And I think that that came down to I was kind of worried to see how the um, the Carolina Hurricanes would play without, you know, Evgeny Andre Svechnikov. Uh, I'm having my Adam Wild moment right now where I just keep fucking up the first names. Uh, when Andre Sveshnikov is out of the lineup. Um, but now that I've seen it and now that there's a bit more doubt cast onto Schmid, 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 Akira, I don't know, that guy, the goalie, the rookie goalie for um, for for the Devils. Um, you know, I, I, and I didn't think that he would be playing. I thought it would be Vitek Vanacek. And uh, now that we've seen he's kind of faltered, uh, I think I, you know, and this it doesn't have to even do necessarily with the fact that Carolina is up a game already. It just has to do with the fact that I feel more confident in Carolina, especially with the experience kind of that they have with that team. They have been in many, many playoff series where they have had to face adver- adversity. Um, the one thing I'll give the Devils credit for was they did really well. Uh, Lindy Ruff did really well at adapting to what was going on with the how the Rangers were playing. Um, and so if, you know, I, I'm not saying that this is a an, a series that's over. I mean, it's only one game done. Um, but I definitely see a world where the Devils do come out on top. Uh, and that has to do with, you know, Lindy Ruff kind of, you know, adapting to, you know, to a, a better style to play against the, the Hurricanes. But I think I am going to change my pick from my bracket. And I'm going to go with the Hurricanes in, I would say, probably six. I think the Devils will, will make it interesting. But uh, looking at their whole package, man, like Brent Burns has been nuts too. And the fact that I, again, I I, I actually do have confidence in their goalies. Uh, I think that I could see, you know, if if any of the goalies uh, have a bad game, I think you could go to the next one and you're you're pretty much safe, you know. There is that, but God, what is with all these teams and not having a starting goaltender in the playoffs this year? Like, this is so crazy. It goes against everything that, like, we've ever seen of, like, crazy goalies carrying their teams. It's like, not knowing who your starting goaltender is on any given night, what what a world these people must be living in. 
I mean, hey, and uh, with looking at all the teams that are in playoffs, uh, maybe maybe it is better to have tandem goalies and like have two guys you can trust, and like also you know maybe not uh, put your your starter out there for sixty four games of the season, and and uh, and I'm not talking about any team in specific. I'm just just stating uh, you know an opinion or whatever you know. Um, anyways, we're yeah, talk, yeah. talking about uh, <laughs> about goalies and not knowing who your starter is. Let's move on to the Bruins Panthers series. I know in our list we oh, have God. have Leaf Lightning, but I think that this is a better segue. Yeah. The Bruins. The Bruin the Whew. big bad Bruins. The record-setting Boston Bruins of 2022-2023 have been eliminated in the playoffs in round 1 by Paul Maurice and the Florida Panthers, which also had two two goalies that went back and forth. They started with Alex Lyon, which okay, <laughs> which I mean oh, yeah. he, he played he played well. He, like to be to give him credit, he played well for a couple games there. Um, and I just would I never gotta have shout out that TNT or whatever that American broadcast is of Emily Kaplan or whoever it was doing the in-game interviews with the coaches and asking Paul Maurice why he went with Bobrovsky over Alex Lyon when Alex <laughs> Lyon was sitting six inches away from him. That was so funny. Anyways, just had to bring that up. Great moment. I mean, hey, P- Pomo is great with the media, so that's 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 what he does, right? So <laughs> No, it was situational. He didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Oh uh, anyways, uh, what would you think about that series? It was that one was so 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 interesting to me, especially with the like the you know the Bruins obviously playing Allmark as they probably should have for for you know majority yeah. of it, and then deciding to go sw- to Swayman only into Game Seven uh, yeah. was very interesting, um, as well as the the choice to go back to Bobrovsky after you know a couple games there in. Uh, uh you know in florida um how did you you know give just give me your thoughts on this series how how are you feeling knowing that paul maurice has passed surpassed the winnipeg jets in playoffs uh this year that's terrible that's not what i wanted (laughs) to talk about but whatever okay so my thing with this series is obviously i had the bruins winning like pretty much everyone did and in my opinion going into these playoffs the only way the bruins were to not win would be if they played like shit. And in my opinion, they didn't actually play that poorly. They didn't play to what they were capable of. But the Panthers were good. This wasn't a whole thing of the Bruins being terrible. The Panthers were extremely good. And we're seeing it well into this, the first couple games of this this Toronto series as well. And we'll get to that later, of course. But Bobrovsky, good again, question mark. Kachuk, better than Huberto and Uyghur, question mark. Like, just a lot of players playing well. Like, I didn't, like, watching the Bruins, obviously there are a couple things I would have liked to have seen more from, and, you know, they had a couple of injuries with, what, Bergeron and Krejci didn't play the whole series. Like, there was just a lot of stuff going on. Um, There was some stuff with Clifton and Grizzlick and all those guys. Um, But I thought the Bruins played fine. Um, And if the Panthers were not playing in god mode the bruins would have won playing at that capacity just like i thought they would have um but the panthers were extremely good so i don't want to fault boston for this as much as i want to commend the panthers which sounds like i'm cheering for a palmeries led hockey team and giving them kudos but unfortunately i have to i'm at some point in this next little bit i'm gonna say something that is is positive about palmeries and i just want you to brace yourself Liz. the trigger audience one? thank you anyone who is a jets fan here i just want you to brace yourselves for that moment um 
But I th- one thing that I think that, you know, d- I agree with you regarding, uh, you know, the play of Boston. I think that they played well, but just in general, the the Panthers just came out and were, you know, I guess in, in the grand scheme of it all, I think probably the better team in this series, in these in this group of seven games. Uh, obviously, injuries played a factor for the Bruins. Um, but... Like I, 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 there's one thing that I really want to stick on is like I, I'm, I'm really curious about the goaltending decision. Like if at any point the Bruins were questioning their goaltending, I feel like, I feel like switching it in the game seven is, is very uh, high risk, high reward, you know. And I think that you know, looking at this series, like Boston was up three one after the first four games, right? So. If you know, they, you know, they they lose game five, and maybe I guess that wasn't the game where Allmark was uh, an absolute maniac. But if, if there was any doubt at all between the two tendies, like I feel like the better play would have been to put out Swayman in game six, and then go. No matter what happens, we are playing Linus Allmark the next game, whether that's in the next round or, uh, you know, in game seven. Uh, and, and I, th- I think it just makes the decision a little bit easier because I, I feel like having to make that sudden rash decision to go to, um, to go to, to Swayman in game seven is like, and, and I don't think Swayman was necessarily bad, but he certainly wasn't great. He, you know, he wasn't a, a Vesna candidate in that game. So, it's you a know, a lot to put on a goalie though, when you've been running a tandem all year and the team looks at you and says, the other guy is better. And all of a sudden in the most important game of the entire season, no, actually we want you like that. That's, those are mind games, bro. Mm-hmm. And not that I, that's just the way it works when you have two talented goalies. Like that's just how it goes. But like, I don't know. I agree with you putting an, a guy cold into game seven when he hasn't played. Yeah. Don't want And, it. and here I'm going to turn to the thing. So everyone cover your ears. If you're a Jets fan, uh, because there has been a lot of discussion around, you know, there, there's, and you know, I think most of it is mostly playful being like, Oh, the jets should have kept Paul Maurice, <laughs> you know? Um, I, I think that it is mostly just for fun and shits and giggles and, you know, trolling, but I, I want to say this, and this is what I said to a couple of people when they asked me like, wh- you know, what, what do I take away from this? Um, and, and they were kind of like giving me shit for, you know, Oh, maybe Paul Maurice is actually a good coach and the jets just suck. And to be fair, the jets do just suck, but I think it's because of Paul Maurice is largely anyways to continue on. I think that Paul Maurice tactically tactically is not an awful coach. You look like the jets when they had their best run was under Paul Maurice. I mean, obviously there hasn't been many coaches here, so it's kind of tough to not be under Paul Maurice and the start was really, really bad, but one of the jets best seasons was under Andre Pavlik as a goaltender. That's uh, don't, uh, can I I'm can be we, making that up? I want to, I want to make I'm a just... rule. We, we actually cannot reference Andre Andre Pavlik on this I show. I probably brought him up in every single episode we've ever done for okay, some well, reason, even though you, he hasn't been here since I was like 12. But You got to stop that. So um, anyways. <laughs> anyways, but coming back to it, like I think that Paul Maurice is actually genuinely not a terrible tactical coach. I think that if, if given the right team, I think that he can, you know, he can actually produce a pretty decent team. I think that his his system works really well with having, you know, defense being super aggressive at the blue line. At least that's what he did in in Winnipeg when they were they were here and that was the right thing to do because we had a, a stacked blue line having, you know, like Toby Enstrom, Buff, Truba, Morrissey, uh Kulikov and Myers like and again, those those two last guys in third pair minutes. Perfect. Great. Um and so I, I think the issues with Paul Maurice comes to lineup decisions because I think he just kind of lets his players decide. Um, but 
uh, and also just is has you know has biases that every coaches have as as we see obviously, um, but then also uh, uh, also development. And so if he is put on a team where really all he needs to do is deploy them properly uh, and, and get them to play a certain system, I think that he's actually not a bad coach to try to put you over the top. However. Uh, that being said, that's not the entire co- job. That's for not coaching. how coaching works. Exactly. So, yeah. so but it's how uh, it works right now. So, so we'll see the ramifications of coach uh, of Coach Paul Maurice in, in Florida, maybe in in a yeah. couple years. Sasha if he sticks Barkov around. hasn't been bad. So I wonder if the Finnipeg by anti finish bias is <laughs> continuing into. Well, it's but kind Anton of, Lindell is playing, so it's kind of tough to to be you know have an anti finish bias when your captain is is finish so and very clearly the, your best player right what he did in the jets when our best player was finished i don't know what you want me to say but but he was still young anyways let's okay that, this is enough let's let's move on uh we'll talk a little leafs and lightning and then talk about the leafs and panthers series the toronto hockey maple leafs have finally done it they've made it to the second round the first time since 2004 i can already see you rolling your eyes yeah, but it is it is important I, don't care. It, I know you don't it but it is important to at least highlight i know that this is a thing that happens for every fucking team or if, not every team but for uh you know eight teams in the league eight of 32 so a quarter of the league this happens to but uh it hasn't happened in a while so therefore it is uh a a you know a, a bit different um what was Can your... i say something nice about the leafs while you're on this before i rip into them hey that, it's your funeral so you're saying that <laughs> the one thing i will say i will say like you said it happens to eight teams so who cares i personally do not hold any ill will against to against leafs fans celebrating or getting excited about this people like they're acting like they want a Stanley Cup they might as well have like this has been a curse on their team I hold no grudge against people celebrating this like that's total I I don't care about that at all I encourage it good for you have fun celebrate your team I don't care that they're celebrating more than some teams do over a Stanley Cup win it's fine it's justified like literally go for it I don't like people being like old men yelling at cloud like how dare they be on the streets getting excited dude come on like You've followed what this team has been like the last few years. Like, this is what they, like, whatever. I don't know. To, to be clear, we were all on the streets really excited during every uh, home game for the Jets. So, like, it, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> sorry, every home playoff game. Um, but moving into the series a little bit here, uh, this one, I think everyone had the vibe around it where this one felt a little bit different. Um, at least that's the way I looked at it. That felt like this was the year that it was finally going to happen. And, uh, and it did. Um, do you have, you know, any thoughts on the actual series itself, the hockey that was played and, uh, maybe how that affects the, the second round matchup against the Panthers? Yeah. I mean, a couple of the issues that Toronto's had in the last couple of playoff series, goaltending has been bad. It was fine in this series. Defense has been bad defensively. It was fine in this series. Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews have been nowhere to be found. Mitch Marner in particular, very much present in this series. So those Matthews particular too. issues... Yeah. Matthews was good, yeah. Like, and Well, they both were. Like, the the guys who needed to be there were there. And same thing with, like, even, like, Tavares and whatever. Like, they had their, their good players, Morgan Riley, were good, right? So I think all of those things like that was the magic combo for them and and that's why the it was so frustrating for so long it's not because they couldn't get lucky it was because they were doing everything wrong it wasn't like oh they just need some extra things to go right no they just couldn't get anything right now they're playing at the level of hockey they were playing all season which shouldn't be surprising but it is for them um so like 
if if you just were like a very knowledgeable hockey fan but not a very knowledgeable NHL fan and you walk in you'd be like there's no way this team hasn't been winning or had success like they're a very good hockey team so like color me shocked like and Tampa mm-hmm. Bay is weaker this year than they have been in previous years because that's how things roll um the only thing I will say is it would have been hilarious if Tanner Janot scored the final goal in Game Seven or something. That would just been would would have been funny. But also, again, it's good for it's good for the bit of being like I love when GMs do exciting things and they just are like my team has a problem. Let me fix that immediately and trade a bunch of random shit and make all kinds of things work to fix those holes. Like Ryan O'Reilly, awesome, like super fun. So like as a hockey nerd love it when those things work out it's like this is funny as hell <laughs> yeah i think i think it just everything lined up properly getting a goalie who can actually play goal and actually like i like in game six like the last game there like he was really really good um like i remember the first period he made a, b- a bunch of really nice saves that were like you know kind of needed in order to keep the game interesting but um but yeah everything in just the depth that they had and even if matthews and and martyr weren't firing at all cylinders like Tavares was chipping in really important goals at really important times. You all, you know, having Morgan Riley, a, a player that like I from you know my friends who are Leafs fans, I remember like all year these people being like, "This is a terrible contract we signed him to. He's just uh, you know empty calorie uh, offense and blah 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 and this and that." Um, I'm just glad to see you know happy for him and happy for for my friends to see that you know he actually showed up to the playoffs and and was a huge difference maker um you know they played gritty hard hockey and and got it done like despite ref refing and officiating which has been fucking atrocious this uh, this playoffs um but i'm and i'm and i'll never say that it, it was it was bad on on the leafs end because then i'm giving the leafs fans rope that i i don't want to give them um but yeah it's it, it anyways regardless of that everything just lined up as you said matthews and marner firing in all cylinders the depth really good defense chipping in on both ends of the ice and uh and and a good goalie and uh it i will say this immediately after i was like they're gonna win the cup they could win the cup because now that they have this monkey on their back off their back they it's it's like a freedom thing it's a it's a you can do anything uh whereas that kind of was felt like it was always holding them back and uh (laughs) and the one thing that I, i really understood from my leafs friends is them being like hey I know we won this, but like it felt like Sheldon Keefe was kind of outcoached. And you look at the the fact that the the Leafs only really mostly won on the road, uh, not only run ran uh, sorry only won, but mostly won on the road. They were wondering if if Sheldon Keefe maybe was a little too reactionary in his coaching and uh, and kind of just instead of mm. you know focusing on what the Leafs do and playing the Leafs game, it was more of a like counter whatever yeah, react f- to Tampa's game exactly. as opposed to play the Leafs game. Yeah, exactly, and so you know, we move into these, these, you know, the first two games of this series, uh, uh the, the Leafs are down. This is where I got them. Cause eh, screw those guys. The Leafs are down to nothing and they were two games that were at home. And so, uh, you know, who's to say really, cause maybe, maybe, maybe Sheldon Keefe just needs to like stop tinkering and stop like, and just allow his team to play as they normally would as if they were, you know, if they didn't have the last change. Um, but looking at this right now, like I, I would say the Leafs were the better team, at least in one of the games, like in game two, he, they were definitely the better team, but they just yeah. couldn't, couldn't do it. Repping, um, repping, repping. <laughs> to be fair. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> Hey, no, no, there's no, to be fair. There's no, to be fair. 
the refs are dog for everyone. Yeah, for that's everyone. True. I don't care that George Peros used to play for the Habs. I don't care that this random refs brothers whatever's whatever. Okay, that one. You know, that, that one. I'll, no, no, I'm not talking about Wes McCauley. I'm just okay. saying, like picking like a random like fell over at a Leafs game once, so therefore hates the Leafs forever. Like, there's just so much conspiracy going on with these stupid refs and this stupid team that I simply do not care to talk about it. I don't care. That's fair. The Wes McCauley one's dumb. I get that. Yes, it is, but who cares? That's fair. I don't care. Um, okay. Moving on. Uh, before we do, what's your prediction here? Uh, and also, give me your prediction pre and post <laughs> to nothing. Pre, I had the Leafs making the cup final, right? So, like, I'm I'm not here to pretend that I'm some insightful genius, but I don't think they're going to win anymore. Like you said before, Sheldon Keefe hasn't been great at home, so it'll be interesting to see how the next couple of games go. But being down 2 nothing going into Florida, not that that barn is crazy exciting at the best of times anyway, but, like, you never want to leave home 2 nothing in the playoffs. So I'm worried about them. Uh, I think you'd be silly not to be. Like I think most people are. Um, I, I still think that they can pull it off. But fuck it, I'm I'm going Florida. I think Florida pulls this one off. That's that's fair, and and I understand. I think I'm gonna stick to my gut, and I'm gonna. I think the Leafs pull this one out. I think they'll figure it out. I think something will will click with them. Uh, and again, I just I think that there's a a level of freedom that has been uh, given to them, um, and that at this point they they who knows who knows what they could do. So I'm gonna say Leafs. I'm gonna say in seven because you know they're already <laughs> we're already two games in and they gotta win you know four of the next five. Um, You're not gonna say Leafs in four? Crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be a wild. Uh, but I did have the Leafs. Uh, I mean, I guess obviously it doesn't change because if anything, it's just made my position worse. But I do think the Leafs will come back and win this. But uh, I would be totally fine if they didn't because it would be really funny. But also, it would kind of suck because we're, we're kind of the Leafs versus Maurice. It's 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 really a double edged sword. Um, <laughs> Anyways, alrighty, that's the East. Uh, we'll move on to the West. Uh, let's start off with the Kraken and Avalanche, the former Stanley Cup champions, taken down by the Pan the not the Panthers. I read the Panthers. Sorry, the the Kraken, new team in second year in the league in seven games. Liss reaction. So I had the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup in my bracket. Like elephant in the room here, I had a lot more faith in this team than maybe I should have, but. It's giving New Jersey. There's no pressure there. They're just having a good time out there in Seattle, and they're they're just playing their game, and their game all year has been this player will score two goals tonight, won't score next game, he'll be good defensively, but he'll be quieter, and someone else will score two goals, and we'll have different heroes of different games, and everyone's going to play fine, and Philip Grubauer is actually going to play okay. Um, I think, um, I don't know if you got the notification that Dave Haxtell just got a Jack Adams nominee. Uh, nomination, pardon me, um, which LOL, but also maybe justified. Like, it's just been a team that he's managed pretty well. And, you know, you're talking about um, the Leafs and not playing the Leafs game, playing the reaction to Tampa's game. Seattle's played Seattle's game, which has been really interesting. And I didn't think that was going to be enough for them, but clearly it was. Colorado was very underwhelming for a lot of different things. I don't want to talk about Val Nichushin, but that was a loss to their team. Um, Nathan McKinnon was good. Miko Rantanen was good. But beyond that, they had a couple players who were just not quite living up to expectations. Kale McCarr was fine, but he wasn't the same electric Kale McCarr that we saw for his healthy part of the regular season. There was just a lot 
that wasn't enough for me for the Colorado Avalanche. But then again, when a game when a series goes to seven games, it's not always easy to be like, oh, the winning team was so much better. There were times when Colorado was a more dominant team, especially when McKinnon was on the ice, right? You would watch them and you're like, there's no way Seattle's going to come out on top of this. But Nathan McKinnon's not on the ice every five seconds. So I don't know. It was it was a fun series to watch. Um, but this whole storyline around the Seattle Kraken is lots of fun to me. Do, do they not feel like the Golden Knights in 2018? Like a little. Like obviously they don't have they don't have their Mark Andre Fleury. Like Philip Grubauer is a guy, but he's not Mark Andre Fleury in twenty eighteen. Um, there's an nominee, so <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, I guess. Fuck Christ. Um, you know, based off of winning games because he played with the Avalanche. But anyways, neither here nor there. Uh coming back to to the uh, like this was the series that was the quintessential depth versus star power, and you know at the end of the day like. The the avalanche, I think you as you said as you put it out there, like like Nathan McKinnon can't be on the ice all game. You know, there's four lines. You know, obviously he's gonna play like 20 minutes a night, but that leaves 40 minutes a night where Nathan McKinnon isn't on the ice. And the avalanche this year versus last year, first off, not having G- Gabe Landeskog, not having you know Nazem Kadri, not having uh, obviously Val Nichushkin is you know we're we're and not gonna Burakovsky, talk about that's a big Burakovsky loss. too. Yeah, of course, I've got, I, I, yeah, exactly. Um, Whereas the, Kra- the other team now. Exactly. And and the Kraken just have uh, a, a, like just so many pretty good players that like all it really needs. All you need to do is be able to, you know, sink or sorry, not sink uh, to float when you're uh, when you're playing against, you know, the, the stars against McKinnon. And then, you know, Jared McCann on the second line before he gets brained uh, and, you know, Daniel Sprong and, and Eli Tolvanen and Jordan Eberle. All these guys are all like, I think almost every single Brandon Oliver, Tanev, Brandon Tanev, Oliver Bjorkstrand, all these like you like I, yeah. how many guys did we just name? Like that's six or seven guys. It's like those they all, all had like 20 goals this year, too. Like exactly. And, and and they can't obviously all be on one line. There's only three spots on a line. So naturally, you're going to have, you know, like Alex Newhook going up against and like Alex Newhook is is fine but like Christ who's on like Logan O'Connor like you're gonna have guys like that going up against Eli Tolvin and against Daniel Sprong you have some of those guys from when we thought it was like some fake lineup in like November <laughs> that the Avalanche yeah. rising and we're like what is that some of those guys are still on the team exactly. also also oh and Kale McCarr got they suspended too that trade was. to get Jack Johnson back yeah, for the playoffs did. Yeah, they did. Don't you remember at the, at the start of the year, Jack Johnson was playing for a Blackhawks, the Blackhawks, and then took like a, a team photo with the because like the first game oh, yeah. they had their banner ceremony, and he was on oh Chicago, so he just like joined in in his Chicago thing in the picture. Dude never wanted to be there in the first place. Nah. God, I love that for him. Yeah, um, that's why they lost. Exactly. So the Kraken win. No, in because seven- here's the thing. Here's the thing: is people are like, oh, Jack Johnson won a Stanley Cup with them, so like he's a good player because he won a Stanley Cup. What did he do this year? Not win a Stanley Cup. So is he good or is he bad? You tell me. <laughs> the the biggest. It was so funny when I I, can't, I think I want to say it was like Dmitry Filipovich or something was like someone oh, commented nice. on the fact because because obviously Kale McCarr got suspended and then yeah. they put Jack Johnson in for Kale McCarr and then he was just like very sarcastically tweeted out something along the lines of like basically not even a downgrade or something like that. <laughs> Cup champ for cup champ. Exactly. Same. It's basically the same player. Um, anyways, uh, move on to the stars in wild. Uh, the stars end up winning in six. Um, I think we both had Dallas in our predictions, I believe. Right. Uh, I had Dallas in four. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Geez. Well, the, the thing is, the wild played better than. Uh, they played like 
dog in the first couple games. They were yeah, bad. They, they, I mean, they, they were, they were okay. They, they did, they did well in a couple games. But yeah, they in the games where they were, they didn't look good. Um, they looked bad. That's for sure. And uh, and going, they another team with a weird kind of goalie controversy in in was it game two, game three after Phil Gustafson. Oh, I thought you meant Dallas at no. first, and I was like, <laughs> there's no controversy there, no, brother. No, no. But yeah, yeah, yeah. no, um, fair enough. Uh, after you know the after the 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 it was either the first or second game the uh, against the stars. I want to say game two. They they went to like double or they went to overtime or double overtime and Phil yeah. Gustafson made like fifty six saves and they ended up winning I believe yeah they won and I want to say they won I don't know I can't remember I'm so sorry it's been a, it's been a either minute. way Phil Gustafson made over fifty saves was I insane that. and then the next game they went to flurry and. And everyone was kind of curious why, and I think the reasoning had to do with like he was one win away from passing like Grant Fuhrer or someone. I can't remember. That's what it was. I think it was that, and then also um, that way, that way they they kind of get a an idea of where he's at. It's better. I mean, to be fair, it's better to do that, and also they wanted to keep Gus fresh for the rest of the series, Mm -hmm. um, however long that was. (laughs) Uh, And and so I don't know. It was a really weird thing, especially considering Mark Mark Hundred Flurry's been kind of kind of doo-doo this year um yeah. so i think that might have also kind of helped them lose considering they kind of just sold a game for for some reason um but anyways i i don't have much else to say about that series i'm ready to move into predictions unless you have one final thing you want to say no cool good i hate the minnesota wild um i just want to say that <laughs> that was a team that i was not hoping to see succeed that's a team full of scummy players um they, the couple guys like i like jared spurgeon and like Maybe. I like Kirill Kaprizov, but like that's oh, like it. Yeah, I guess I guess uh, I guess we're still upset with and, them, especially Ryan Hartman. I fucking loser. Yeah, Ryan Hartman can go to hell. So can Marcus Foligno. So can Matt Dumba. Like I don't care. So can Ryan Dirty Reeves. Team. They can all. They all suck. I hate them all. Yeah, um, that's fair. But no, the Minnesota Wild are not an overly talented team. They had a couple of like highlight real goals from that series. So, like I can't dunk on them that much. But Dallas rocks. And I felt like I was, like, on drugs watching them play a couple times where they were just, like, mishandling the puck like crazy. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, they were just, like, imploding. And it was so weird. Um, But they look a lot better uh, this series so far against Seattle. Um, Joe Pavelski being back in the lineup is a huge add for them. Huge. I hope to God he's healthy um, because that's scary. Uh, Obviously, you never want to see someone leave a game like that. But, uh, you know, he seems to be performing all right, if I do say so myself. Yeah, got, <laughs> and that kind of moves us into talking about the series that, you know, already cra- Stars Kraken is tied at 1-1. Uh, unfortunately, in, in was it game two? or No, it was game one. It was uh, game one. It was game one. The Joe Pavelski gets the meat trick and uh, the, the Joe Thornton meat trick and, uh, and scores four goals. And yet the Stars were unable to. And loses to- 5-4. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally the Kraken versus Pavelski. And bro, did you see some of the goals that he's like the two or three of them well, were tips. And one of them was like a nasty tip from like the side of the net. Like the guy like it threw it across like a pass almost. And he just like batted it in. That guy's got insane hand eye. Where my dad, I was talking to my dad and I, I always wish in certain contexts that I was a little bit older. Like, cause I never saw, you know, the beginning of Sidney Crosby's career with much of a, much of an observant eye or anything like that but one and and he always says joe pavelski changed the way that the nhl tips pucks and teaches their players how to Mm -hmm. tip pucks like his ability to maneuver those shots and and do like he's just unbelievable so that comes as no shock to me that i think three of those goals were deflections i think you said that um 
I think that's what it was. But besides the point, like, he is so influential on this league in, like, so many different ways. But San Jose is one of the least spoken about markets in the entire NHL. So I feel like he was just kind of unsung for his entire career. Like, he was talked Mm -hmm. about. But, like, to the same degree as, like, someone like Joe Thornton or whatever. Like, some guys who just were so good. But, like, they're in San Jose. Yeah. Right? And we see that happens with a lot of different teams and a lot of different ways that people are spoken about so i love seeing him get some success because i really like that player and he's and he's like an uh, he's a, a veteran he's one of the oldest players in the league right now he is he's 38 he, i didn't know that he's, he's li- so old he's literally who the jets wish like wheeler was but he'll never be him that's exactly um right. and uh but yeah like just great to see him continue to have success and and that's what it is really it's reinventing your game and, and figuring out what you can do to provide value the guy was like I'm fucking nuts at tipping pucks. I'm just that's gonna be my whole bit. Uh, and and at, at the time when like I feel like there was a point in the season where the stars weren't doing fantastic, uh, maybe early on, and there was like kind of talks on. It was like, when everyone in the central just didn't want to win a hockey game ever. Yeah, but no, but I think that that because that was at that point Dallas was in the top of the. I feel like I just remember hearing that they might trade Pavelski at some point, and I remember being like, oh, okay. I remember being like, if that's if he's available, like that's a guy who the Jets absolutely fucking need, considering how much offense they create from the point. But uh, but anyways, moving on from there, we're tied one one. Uh, List, what is your prediction here uh, on this series? I'm full. I'm a full Dallas girly. Um. Obviously, for similar reasons, I thought Colorado was going to win, so maybe it's flawed. But I think this Dallas team is complete as hell. Um, they have a lot of really, really fantastic players. And, you know, Rupe Hintz has been awesome, and I think he will continue to be awesome. Uh, and Jason Robertson is, you know, J-Robo. Like, he is he is the man. Like, they have awesome, awesome, awesome pieces, and they have... I was going to say this and I want to think about it, but I'm just going to say it and you can stop me if I'm wrong. I think they have the best goaltender left in the playoffs. Um, and I think they just have a lot of really good pieces and I really like the way they play hockey and I don't think the Seattle Kraken are that good. Like, I think there's still that piece where I, I, I'm I, not fully in on the Seattle Kraken. Um, they're obviously going to be competitive until their dying breath. Like, they're not going to go out with, with a whimper like some of the other teams that we've seen in the Western Conference have. Um, but... I don't know. I, I'm going Dallas and six. Very fair. I think I think it'll go to seven. I think I'm gonna take the stars. Uh, I am a little bit worried that the apparently the Kraken have figured out that Jake Ottinger is not great on his blocker side or something like that. I I have not. I've just heard this. I've just seen. I think Elliot Friedman was talking about it in Thirty Two Thoughts earlier. Um, and, and so that makes me interested to see if that's something they can really exploit. Uh, and if that is actually the truth or whatever, like, I don't know if this is like a, a thing that, you know, maybe one or two, he's letting a couple goals. So therefore he has this like, you know, yeah. aura around him, or I don't know if this is like the, you know, Derek Lalonde going on <laughs> TV and being like, yeah, Vasilevsky fucking sucks when you shoot from the point or whatever it was he said, but, um, that was so funny, but very funny. Yeah. So I'm going to take the stars. Uh, I think they are at, in, at, in total, they have the depth to compete with the Kraken in regards to that. But I do think they have the difference makers in Ottinger in, Jason Robertson and Rupe Hints. And like, don't look now, but like t- t- Tyler Sagan is kind of kind of thriving again. So like uh seeing him kind of coming back into his own is, is nice as someone who like kind of used to like him a little bit. Um so I I I, I, I really I, like him for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but anyways, let's let's move on. Let's move on because we're we're taking a lot of time and we I'm sure we're gonna spend a decent amount of time once we get done with the 
uh, the final two series to talk about uh, the Jets, but we'll try and keep it a little bit uh, quicker. Uh, moving on to the Oilers and Kings. The Oilers win in six. Uh, was this what you saw coming? Did you expect anything less? I can't remember who you had in your bracket. I think you had Edmonton, if I remember correctly. I thought I had Edmonton in six, but I must have had Edmonton in five then. I definitely had the Oilers winning, and I have them... I had them facing off against Colorado, I think, in the in the final because obviously I had the Jets winning that Vegas series and I knew they were gonna snuff the lights out of the Jets. So um Edmonton's good. Um, God are they undisciplined. Watching them play, that's a team that when it comes to like rapping and this, that, whatever. I you can talk about all these calls all the all you want. The the gave the Gabe Velarde like high stick touch, this, that, whatever, like from that one game like there were some calls that definitely did not go their way i'll give them that but man oh man does that team just take penalties yeah like they love being on the penalty kill or something like they are just so frustrating to watch in that capacity but um i also think that in like uh, this is obviously a little bit biased from round two as well but it pains me to say this but is leon dreisaitl the man like there's something about that player like he's got that dog in him man he like he's been their best player yeah. by a landslide he's been so good at like when everyone's firing on all cylinders and at full capacity like he's far and away the second best player on that team there's not really much of a margin between him and the third but there's not really a margin between him and the first best player on their team either like no i but i think it comes down to 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 like coverage and, and just like I, I i think it has to do with space and i i if i'm you know correct me if i'm wrong they're not playing on the same lines so it's like no you know phil to had the McDavid assignment. So like, what does that leave uh, a washed on Kopitar to cover for cover Leon Dreisaitl? And he's like, LOL, I'm just going to make you guys look fucking stupid. Um, yeah, I don't know. Th- this was a series where like, I definitely thought the Kings, uh, I-, I had, I had Oilers in seven. Um, I thought the Kings would be able to push it to seven, but, uh, I think, I think when it came down to it, like, st- you know, it was interesting seeing the Stuart Skinner and then even Jack Campbell coming in, for a game like half a game or I don't did he play two games I can't remember um but Ooh, yeah well yeah something like that there was some pulling and switching and everything too so mm-hmm. and uh and, and yeah I think it just comes down to the Oilers have been so much better defensively just since getting Ekholm and also they have literally two of the best players in the world on line one and line two so it's like pick your poison you can you can cover you can you know you can hold your shield up to the front while dry approaches you in the back and stabs you there uh or you can you know stare at dry and guard from him and you know Connor mcdavid's gonna come up and stab you i don't know what this yeah, analogy is uh yeah i was thinking of a king or like a, like a knight or something with a shield but oh i see, I see but i, I see. guess for, not the kings but then you know anyways not the point point is uh the oilers make it through in six um and then they obviously will be facing the golden knights they've already played one game against the golden knights uh who uh ha- you know have a bit of a depleted lineup uh as as we kind of saw like shea theodore was held out of one of the games against the Jets. So was Brady McNabb. Uh, they were back in time for the second or for the the starting game against the Oilers. Um, likely, probably they just were like, we don't need to necessarily like, we're not gonna exacerbate. Lose this game, so okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, Laurent Brassois is 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 the guy. And uh, oh my god. And uh, definitely made us look really fucking stupid for chanting uh, "You're a backup" or whatever the fuck the Jets did. Because he is. I don't care. I'm gonna die on that hill. He's he's a one B. He's a he's a one B slash a backup. So. He's a one B. Yeah, good for him. So um uh yeah. So anyways, but you're is, gonna need a one A against the Oilers. So yeah. Point point is with the Knights, 
uh, Bruce Cassidy, good, good, really good coach. Uh, Mark Stone, so really good player. Jack so Eichel, true. really good player. Shea Theodore, so Petrangelo, good demon. Braden McNabb, big, big motherfucker, annoying. Ivan Barbashev, good pickup. Uh, they kind of had their way with the Jets, other than game one. Uh, if you're wanting a more in-depth uh, look at how this series went, feel free to check out Listen and and Mai's, uh you know postmortem final game game over uh, on SDPN uh, because our, yeah. our our last show was was very much talking about that series as a whole and then talking about where the Jets go as a whole moving forward. Um, but before oh, we Lord. do talk about the Jets, uh, what I think that the the Knights were really good at was um make you know they adapted to the way that the jets played they played their own but still managed to play their own game which was just keeping teams to the outside and uh only letting in you know specific shots uh and it's a game plan that works and looking at this series i mean they're already up one nothing on the oilers i mean it's only one game how i mean do you want i don't really want to talk about the series but with the knights and jets i'll be honest we've already kind of exactly you know talked all about it and Travis Yost had a great tweet that was like, this first round has had some awesome playoff hockey. The Winnipeg Jets were also there. Yeah. Like, it's almost not even worth talking about because the hockey was just not good across the board. Vegas didn't have to do much. Jets weren't doing much. Um, so it's kind of whatever. But I'm excited to watch them play Edmonton. I didn't get to watch much of the last game. But I think they're, like, obviously they don't have the same two-way eliteness that the LA Kings do and someone like Philip Deneau. Um, but they have some really good, complete players. Mark mm-hmm. Stone is obviously someone that you can match against anyone on any given night. And and he's getting his Stevenson. legs back under him. And Chandler like, Stevenson like is together, kind of in God mode. Nuts. Like, there's just... So there's some versatility in this Vegas Golden Knights lineup that I'm really interested to see. Um, and also, I could be completely making this up, but... Um, Edmonton feels a bit more to me like a rush chance chaos first shot team, mm-hmm. like elite sniping, like some really awesome shots. Like, and Brossois does a decent job of stopping those first shots. It's his rebound control and the secondary chances where he really struggles. And yeah. that's where Edmonton's going to need to pick it up a little bit. Um, because Bross will manage them. But he's not going to be exploited to the full capacity as you will if you just hound the net. But like you said, Vegas is really good at making sure that that doesn't happen. Um, so I'm really excited to watch the series, to be honest with you. Like, I hate the Oilers just because they're the Oilers. Like, I think most Western Canadian non-Oilers hockey fans do just because they're annoying. But, like, they're fun to watch. Yeah. Like, they're so chaotic. And the way that they jump on pucks at the blue line is unlike any team I feel like I've watched in recent history like they're cool as hell so it's gonna be fun hockey i have the oilers coming out on top in that one unfortunately i just think that there's some but if if they can't figure out how to stay off the power or penalty kill pardon me i think that jack eichel from the circle and a couple of their other really nifty players are gonna make for a rough power play for edmonton to have to manage and the special teams battle is a very real thing in the playoffs. So I don't know. I'm really interested to see. I have Edmonton coming up on top, but I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think, I think I like. I look at this and I go, "Oh man, it's this is a real. This is easily the toughest series I would say to call for me." Um, when I look at it, it's like Edmonton, as you kind of said, thrives off of the chaos and the fact that they just have 
game-breaking players on their team uh, and a good supporting cast around them to fill in, you know, fill in where they can. Um, when I look at Vegas, though, they're a much more process-oriented team. And after seeing how they dismantled the Winnipeg Jets, not that that's necessarily a gigantic, uh, you know, hill to climb, but Ooh, uh, <laughs> uh, they looking... were one lo- loss away from being the most, the biggest collapse in NHL history, and then you beat them. Ooh, <laughs> that w- I almost wish we had that to, as a as a mo- as a little banner to hang up. You know, uh, you that know, would be so nice. Team team uh, uh, in light. Jesus Christ, team furthest into the season in first place and then misses playoffs. They were 45 games into the season. They were in first place in their conference and they almost missed playoffs. Uh, that would have been fun. Anyways, not back to, back to the Oilers Knights. Uh, the Knights are, are a process oriented team. And I think that in the grand scheme of things, that should be what wins. Um, but I think that there are game breakers and also good process driven players on the Oilers. And, you know, there's guys, guys like Zach Hyman, guys like, you know, even Evander Kane or whatever. Like the, these are guys that aren't going to like score off. They're not going to be like your, 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 you know, your rush chances. They're going to skate in and rip a shot and score. They're more of a, like, we're going to cycle it and get some shots in, in the slot and get some really nice passes from Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So I look at this and, and, and my brain wants to tell me that the Golden Knights are going to win because they have a a better all-around process towards this. But my heart is telling me the Oilers are going to win because they just have such insane like they it's like it's like rolling dice you know it's like with them I I feel like it's like either they are going to handedly come back in the series and and win or they you know just might not get the bounces and it is what it is but you know, I, I I look at them and and especially considering the fact that I had the Jets over the Knights originally, um, I think I have to put the Oilers over the Knights as well, considering I do have the Oilers going to the finals. Um, so I am going to take the Oilers, and I do think it's going to take seven I, for this series. Like this is going to be easily the yeah, no, that's super club. reasonable. Um, alrighty, and that finishes up our second round preview slash you know review of the first round. Now, uh, if you're a Jets fan, stick around. If you're not a Jets fan uh, and are just curious to know where we are at as a fan base. Or if you thrive off of other people's pain. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the exit interviews and kind of where the Jets are as far as everything goes. There were some very interesting comments from Rick Bonus coming out of Game 5 after losing. Uh, specifically, he said that uh, he was disgusted and disappointed. He also said something along the lines of they had no pushback, and this goes back to you know mid-February or late January uh, when the team was starting Holy to slide. And uh, how did and and that that kind of went over not so great uh, with the players. The the players came out to the media in their exit interviews, notably Blake Wheeler, uh, saying, you know, I I didn't like the way that Rick Bonus handled that. Um, and and yeah, it, it, it's er, sorry he sorry before I move on. Uh, he didn't like the way that Rick Bonus handled that and would have preferred he kept it in the room. Um. And then, you know, there were more conversations with Blake Wheeler, Wheeler later on regarding, you know, the fact that he probably wouldn't have re-signed here if he, uh, if 2018 didn't happen. And maybe that just goes to show what kind of a captain he was and 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 still kind of is considering he's in that locker room. Um, but anyways, uh, I, I want to give you a chance to jump in here, Liz. 
Um, how do you feel about you know the the reaction the players gave uh, to Rick Bonus's comments? Um, and then maybe we can talk about Rick Bonus coming out later and talking about you know what how he felt about the the players' uh, comments as well. Yeah, like my biggest thing is just exit interviews. I try not to put too much stock into them because players are always disappointed. Players are always just trying to say the least and that they possibly can in the time that they are obligated to be there. Like there's not a whole lot of substance that comes from it, so I try not to read into it too much. Um, but it just seemed like they were happy with how things went until they lost game five, which is crazy to me. You know, they, they didn't take a lot of accountability for the back half of the season for playing like dog over the course of that entire series. I'm also really going with this like dog thing today. I really don't know if that's a term or not, but I'm just kind of going with it. It's like saying like dog dog shit, but without without saying Like it is, but like, yeah, like PG kind (laughs) of, um, but yeah, it was just the vibes were super weird around the fact they're like, oh yeah, he shouldn't have said that. And I just, I, I don't know, like maybe it's because Paul Maurice would never say something like that, but I just feel like no one ever would be like, I disagree with what my coach said on this team before. I feel like that's just not a thing that they've done. I personally take, uh, not offense, but like uh, objection with, with, I wish he would have kept this in the room. Uh, meaning, oh or, my God. Like, Cause it's like, are, what like is he is he not all first of all okay one uh you are a professional hockey player like i'm sorry the media is is a part of this this is yeah you're an entertainer if there wasn't an entertainment component you wouldn't have a job exactly go away and and what is he does he mean like oh is he trying to say that this wasn't a fucking thing that was going on in the room already is he trying to say that rick bonus hasn't since february since late january been like what the fuck is going on with this team what is going on with you guys like i i I just don't understand it and and the fact that like now is the time where they're like i wish you wouldn't have come out to the media and said that whereas like uh he's been saying this he's he literally has said this to the media earlier in the season and been like hey uh, we didn't have enough pushback, or what? What was the mo- the the pride quote? He said something along the lines of like, like, uh, sorry, pride meaning personal pride, not <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the like, yeah, yeah, like at the end of the day, like at the end of the day, like you, I I can only motivate you guys. Uh, at the end of the day, it's it's on you to get yourselves out out of bed and take pride in what you do and motivate yourselves. Um. And and that's where it comes from. And I will say this, you know, I, I don't think that Rick Bonus is necessarily uh, a phenomenal coach tactics wise or anything like that. But vibes wise, good. And and also kind of necessary for this team, a team that kind of never really had its accountability. And one of the reasons Rick Bonus was brought into this team was to provide that accountability. Um, so after you know all the players coming out and mentioning, you know they, you know some players saying they wish he wouldn't have said what he said. Uh, some players coming out and saying, you know, oh we a, a bunch of players coming out and saying we don't want to rebuild. Um, like I, I I just I personally would have I I really wish. That Rick Bonus would not have walked his comments back even a little bit. I think so. Yeah. Basi- so basically, what happened was, if you if you're not aware, um, after all of these player quotes came out, uh, Rick Bonus decided to do a media availability as well. Uh, he was not scheduled to do one, but then he decided. That was the moment we saw that. We're like, oh, um, Rick Bonus is actually going to have an unscheduled media. I was 
so excited dude it's like it was like that when i saw that it was like uh like wrestler entrance music for me like it was like yeah <laughs> you know, about, oh to, about to come up and cause some some absolute shit but then he he walked his comments back a little bit he said he wouldn't yeah. he wished he didn't use you know the specifically the word disgusted but then also uh at this point then kind of mentioned for the first time he's like you know oh you have to also take into a fact that you know josh morrissey was hurt and we lost shife and this and that and uh i was so excited excited because like we finally don't have the injury excuse yeah and then we did yeah but but i'm i will say I, I will i will praise him in the fact that he didn't use that at all as an excuse during the series which is great no. um but mm-hmm. i also think that maybe uh maybe he could have he could have mentioned the injury thing if, if he wanted to mention the injury thing and maybe he could have said it like a hey maybe we should have been more prepared for injuries kind of thing and wink wink nudge nudge kevin shovel day off you maybe should do more than just acquire like a, a third a couple third line players second third line players um but uh but anyways and, and that kind of moves us on to kevin shovel Dayoff's uh media availability actually sorry before we get to that um we we t- we come back to the the rebuild conversation uh and and where i w- the one quote that i want to mention is connor hellbuck's quote where he basically oh, kind of confirmed essentially winked at the fact that he probably won't re-sign here unless there's a some yeah. sort of big change he basically was like i don't want to do a rebuild along with kyle connor saying that mark shifley saying that with uh whoever the fuck saying that everyone did mark shifley really say that though i think he did i'm pretty sure he did i'm, I'm pretty sure he said he was mark not... shifley was more on like the steve eiserman i want to play for yeah my team for my whole career and I was yeah like, okay. i I guess maybe he didn't say that specific. Anyways, but regardless, it, it it comes down to just the general vibe around the team too, um, and and what Connor Hellebuck ended up saying was, you know, I'm at, at this point in my career, all I care about is winning a Stanley Cup, and uh, I think he said something along the lines of like, you know, I, this these these players that we have here are all good individual players, but maybe this wasn't the right mix, um. Or, or maybe this mix just didn't work. I don't know if he said explicitly that it this mix doesn't work, but saying something along the lines of uh, it didn't work this time. Um, basically, at this point, Connor Hellebuck wants to play for a Stanley Cup contending team. And let's be honest here, Liz. Do you think that the Jets are going to be anywhere near Stanley Cup contention uh, within the next two, three, four years? No, like they could <laughs> if they chose to really go in that direction. I do think they have enough pieces and whatever. Like theoretically, if they wanted to go like a Toronto Maple Leafs route and trade a bunch of their picks and prospects, sure they could be a cup contender, but they won't. They won't do that. That's not in the Winnipeg Jets' blood. They don't. They don't do that shit. Um. So no, they they won't. No. be. let's <laughs> let's be honest here. They will not be. And the only way that they could potentially be. A Stanley Cup contenders if they just run it back this year and they actually made some significant signings if they were able yeah. to get a, a competent uh, center back for Pierre-Luc Dubois because something's got to happen there but the reality is uh, even it, it's all for nothing because we already know that this group unless they got like significant pieces that would be part essentially would be a new core or at least a part of the new new core um, th- this this current core doesn't have it they just don't they do not have it. Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, uh, and, and Blake Wheeler are not uh, a a a you know a competent group of three players that you can put in your top six uh, and be like we're going to be a, a team that goes far in playoffs. It's just not going to happen. Those team those players give up too much defensively and do not necess- And they are they are they are weak 
when it comes to like f fragile like the fact that that Blake Wheeler uh, uh came out to the media after losing to 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 fucking St. Louis and was just told a, a reporter to fuck off when he they when he when they asked um you know would you have expected maybe a little bit more pushback in that game uh the fact that he said he didn't want to resign here but then he was convinced because he thought he might win um the fact that everything we've seen since then um and everything that's gone on with Mark Shifley with the fucking Jake Evans hit with with you know complaining about being oh here God. and oh, I don't know if I'm going to be here next year but it's that and then being like uh, oh the media hates us and whatever he said a and that was years heat ago. of the moment I didn't say that it's giving Eric Stalin a pride jersey it's like here's a quote you said mm, I didn't say that yeah um Anyways, I don't know where I was going with this. My point, my point in saying all this is that uh, something's gonna happen with Pierre Luc Dubois at some point. You gotta figure out what you're doing with with Connor Hellebuck, uh, and and realistically, there is not enough moves that the Jets could make in order to become a playoff contending team. So what they absolutely have to do, and what everyone is saying they have to, excuse me, have to do, is fucking tear this thing down. So. That's kind of the vibe around the, the the fan base right now at the moment. Um, and actually, before we do get into the 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 quotes from uh, from Chevy or whatever, uh, before then, after after the whole you know Rick Bonus stuff, giving you know providing actual accountability for this team, the Winnipeg Jets sent out a very interesting little uh, little little email to uh, to their their season ticket holders and people they and people who've purchased tickets in the past. Um, let's, I'm just going to read this for you, listen, I want you to give me your, your, your reaction to this. So it, the title of it just says jets reflect on the ups and downs of the 2022, 23 season. That's, that's the title. And it goes, whenever a team doesn't reach the lofty goals set in training camp, disappointment will always be present as year end exit meetings are conducted and locker stalls cleaned out. The jets had plenty of pushback against Vegas in round one. They won game mm -hmm. one and rallied back from a 4-1 deficit in the third period of Game 3 before ultimately falling in, in overtime. In Game 4, another deficit, this time 3-1, became a one-goal game in the third before an empty netter. The only disappointing part was Game 5. First off, uh, I just want to mention that, you know, when they say the only disappointing part was Game 5, uh, I, I, ju I just happened to notice a complete lack of any mention of Game 2. So that's interesting. Um, and uh, I I mean, I don't know about you, but even though they rallied out in, in game three to, to go to overtime, uh, the entire first two periods were fucking dog shit and disappointing. And the ending was disappointing. Um, and, and hey, no one even remembers the pushback in that fourth game. That was just a terrible game in general. Also. Hey, it was a one goal game, Liss. It was a one goal game. What, what do you mean there's no pushback? I just, I literally cannot wrap my brain around how you can look and just line up all the facts of all these things and very specifically be like, here are the four that are really good for our team. We're going to ignore the 12 that are really terrible for our team. And the three that are like kind of bad, we're going to spin them to be good. Like, it's beyond even my belief that you could be like, or we're just going to ignore that they sucked in this, this, that part, whatever. And like, it, it, they're gaslighting you. They literally are. Like, that's just the most insane release that I've ever seen in my entire life. Where it's like, the only disappointment was game five. When you talked about how they like gave up all these things. Like, anyone who was watching the Jets relatively closely this year is dumbfounded by this. Like, everyone is. 
And that's the whole thing is Winnipeg takes pride in their fans being educated hockey fans and hockey people and smart hockey fans and, you know, being more students of the game than other markets or whatever. Then are you trying to make them hate you? Because that's kind of what you're doing with this. Because anyone who's got a brain cell in their head is like, huh? Over this email? It's insane. It is beyond me. Uh, it, it, it's it, you know, if you're anywhere near Winnipeg, you know that right now the Jets are kind of having a little bit of trouble selling tickets, uh, probably because they're offering, like, for, first off, season ticket holders. Uh, first off, the team has been kind of disappointing for the past few years, so that's already one thing. Uh, the direction isn't very clear, so that's another thing. Uh, the in-game experience is one of the worst in in all of the nhl um we do have a loud building and it is fun and everything like that but at the end of the day the 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 you know there's there's a lack of of fun and atmosphere at the games sometimes and uh and also it comes down to you know from what i've heard from season ticket holders uh they're frustrated because the jets are going to send out hey uh this tuesday come to a game for 50 dollars and your beer is free um and also we're going to send out these game packs for super cheap discounted because we're struggling to get fans so all these people who paid like you know actual face value ticket price are like what the fuck i could i only want to go to i only want to go to 15 like 10 15 games a year anyways um why wouldn't i just buy these ones and uh, you know these these big packs where i get these bonuses for buying them um and then i can choose my games and then also not have to deal with the fact that i'm probably going to sell you know, 20, 30, 40% of my tickets because that's what most season ticket holders do. They can't go to every single game or they split it with someone or whatever. Point is, it's just easier to not put down however many thousands of dollars it is uh, and then maybe, you know, just go to the games that actually make sense for you to go to rather than having this financial burden. Um, But then on top of that, it's just like, I just don't fucking understand why the Winnipeg Jets, a team that, that is struggling to get fans... Uh, and people to come into seats think that trading their fans like they're fucking stupid is going to actually help anything rather than being like when it just shows a complete lack of misunderstanding of what the issue is here it's like it's like trying to put a a, a piece of duct tape over it's it's the you know the the gif from this is the end where the guy puts the duct tape over a gigantic crack in the concrete and it's like and that feels like what the jets have been doing for a bunch of years now uh they've been trying to you know keep the keep the 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 boat afloat and and patch up every little hole but there's more and more holes appearing every now and then and at some point you want to probably just save what's on on the on the boat and uh and 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 get yourself into a new boat that will be fixed and ready to go in a couple of years to i don't know why i don't know what is with my my references or whatever today i i feel like you should have just gone with like the the giant cylinder of water and the guy just slaps a band-aid oh yeah the, 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 the fle- yeah the flex tape or whatever yeah 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 and the slap is like six dollar beers before puck chop <laughs> You got to make that for meme. everyone. You got to make that meme and and, and uh, tweet it out. Um, but any but anyways, moving on. It's no, just like... North and I are friends now, so I can't. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> After this, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, um, the email, just the email. Whoever's in charge of that email, that's my enemy. Everyone else is fine. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how this got okayed. I just don't know who okayed this. Anyways, we'll move on now. The, the before we're getting long on this. Uh, the final last thing to touch on is Kevin Shovel Dayoffs. Uh, absolute uh, nothing burger of a press conference uh, at the end of the year. Did you end up watching it or just get, no, catching the highlights I didn't. of it? After I saw everyone talking about it, I was in this really long, stressful 24-hour consulting preparation room, and I was like, you know what? I just, I'm putting me first today. 
and I'm just not going to listen to this. So I didn't. I saw the bits. I saw a couple of clips here, there, and everywhere that people reshared. Saw the quotes, read through Marat's, like, transcribed version of it. Yeah, you you nailed it. It's a nothing burger. There was nada. As uh, as Ken Weeb put it, the only thing that Ke- that Kevin Dayoff confirmed was that Rick Bonus will be back next year, and also he will be back next year as well too. Um, and and also I want to say thank you to Kevin Dayoff for making me look like a fucking idiot uh, as soon as <laughs> as soon after game my game over Winnipeg, where I was like, you know, maybe he might actually be a decent guy to to run us through a rebuild. Um, and I think that you hit the nail on the head in that where you basically just said uh, he's only good if he has a plan, which he. Never Never does, and very clearly he does not have a plan at the moment right now. Um, you know, I, I may be a little bit optimistic that because of of one specific quote he had, where he was like, you know, uh, I'm also you know a part of this too, and I'm also like a fan and this and that. So uh, I want to make sure that you know we take a step back and and not let our emotions uh, cloud us, you know, going forward. So maybe, hopefully, uh, you know, time is, is a sobering drink for Kevin Chavel day off, and he can look and see with you know sober eyes that this team uh, is it need needs needs a teardown at some point. You need to recoup assets for your your pending ufas and your guys who already obviously want to go to montreal not naming any names um but during that press conference there were so many times where all he said was like you know oh we got back to the playoffs and 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 the the quote specifically i remember i tweeted this one out i clipped it and and everyone had a field day on twitter it was basically him just going saying to the media you know you guys underestimate how difficult it is to make playoffs bro 50 what 50 percent of the league makes playoffs it used to be more prior to, to the, this, you know, last year, prior to the Golden Knights making it. It was, it was more, it was even more than that. So wouldn't it be harder not to make the playoffs? It, it literally was. It literally was harder to not make playoffs until twenty twenty one. I don't when whenever the fuck the Kraken started being a team twenty twenty two. Last year. Who, who, who's to sure. say? Who's to say? Time is is non-existent. It doesn't exist. Anyways, so it was just fucking brutal for Kevin Cheveldayoff to be like, "Hey, uh, you know, actually, I'm I'm actually really happy with how the season went." Considering, and we- if you think making the playoffs is hard, then you probably shouldn't be an NHL GM. It should be doable for you well, every and, year, and this or is- every year that you want it to be like. And this is the issue that was so frustrating for a lot of Jets fans was the fact that it was just like. Man, even the reporters were frustrated and like they're not they're not they're supposed to be objective. Obviously, they follow the team, but they're they're supposed to be objective. And a lot of them were just like, hey, um, there's a lot of talk about like raising the standard this year. And uh, I and I'm wondering if, you know, you how you feel considering now you're you know, you're sitting here saying that making the playoffs is good enough. Um, You know, why? why even talk about raising a standard like what what's what's the point of all of this what was the, and so that's where i went from this too is i was just like what's the point of bringing rick bonus for accountability when as soon as the players refute it uh you have the the gm basically being like yeah you know actually this was good enough and as soon as the players refute it uh he has to come out and fucking tell the media that he was wrong so that he doesn't hurt everyone's feelings like what what is going on here like what are we doing with this team genuinely what is what is the vision what is the the approach and coming back to the season ticket holders thing is i think that that is the biggest thing like the the jets need to show that they have some type of vision for what the fuck is going to happen over the next few years and i know that 
Pierre-Luc Dubois is a complete uncertainty and uh, and Connor Hellbuck re-signing with the team is something they obviously want to do. But, you know, I think it's maybe more of a question of is that the right thing to do um, and is that likely to happen? Um because a goalie like him is only going to have value in the middle of the offseason. As soon as the season starts, I, I, it makes it harder and harder to trade a goalie because the teams that are like, oh, we're contenders, uh, they usually probably have at least one or two goalies. So, like, you're not going to get any value for him. Um, I just I just don't know. And especially going back to Shifley, you mentioned the Iserman quote we had where he was basically asked, hey, like, do you – you know, is there value to you to playing with one franchise for your entire career? And he said, of course there was, there is, you know, I'm, I'm my favorite player growing up was uh, Steve Iserman and he obviously played his entire career with the uh, Red Wings. Um, but also I need to, you know, look around and see what, what, where this team is going, what the direction is. Uh, Cause he apparently is also not in, interested in a rebuild or uh, apparently, I don't know, we've whatever. Um, but then also he was asked like, Oh, does Connor Hellebuck's decision um, have an effect on you? regarding resigning and he said oh of course it does absolutely and so like we're in a scenario right now where if the jets run it back there is a very real possibility that by you know the jets end up going through the season they're in the same fucking spot they're middle of the pack you know they maybe they have a couple good weeks they have a good month maybe they have a bad month or two uh but they're all no matter what going to be in this kind of wild card bubble area and then they have to make the decision at the trade deadline. Do we try and trade all of our guys away and get as much as we can for them and start the rebuild on the right foot? Or do we just kind of continue doing the same thing we've been doing for the past, fuck, like seven years, six years? When it, whenever 20, like 2017, 18 started? Like, I'm so apathetic right now. I'm just like, okay. I, I, I just like, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand. And 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 the scary the big scary thing is if you don't trade Connor Hellbuck in the offseason, they are going to be in the middle of the pack next year. They're gonna delude themselves into thinking they can uh go for it again, one final shot. Uh they'll probably not you know, again, the same type of thing at the drug date the, the trade deadline. They're not gonna actually pay actual resources for someone who can make a fucking difference, like it like a Timo Meyer or whoever the fuck you want to say. And we're gonna get to the end of the season where all of the own rentals just walk because they're going. What 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 are we supposed to take away from this? We for this year and last year we're gonna get knocked out in the first round if we even make playoffs next year. Like, it's it is it is mind boggling to me how everyone around the league can see that this like how many how many articles from even just like random people like Greg Wyshynski or like like people who aren't Jets centric yeah. people. Uh, have been like you know it's probably time that you know this is kind of coming to an end here and like is Kevin Cheveldayoff just going to delude himself into thinking that it, we'll give it one more shot because things were a bit better this year yeah no it's just nuts and it's the kind of thing where I think Kevin che Kevin Cheveldayoff's also being kind of forced by hockey ops to continue to make this team competitive because I just think that this team is so dang scared of what will happen to them financially or what they think will happen to them financially if Jets fans don't walk into Canada Life Center thinking that their team is has a chance of winning on any given night. And I disagree with that entirely. I would happily watch the Jets lose 5-2 every single game watching Rucker McGrady and Brad Lambert and Chaz Lucius and Billy Hanel and just figure out what's going on out there knowing that in the future my team is going to be good and I bet you pretty much every single Jets fan agrees with me like I understand that 
the bottom line is extremely important for a company and if you can't manage x percent in ticket loss revenue and you're projecting that you're gonna get that loss in revenue from individual season seats if the jets aren't competitive like i get that but people are starting to get tired and we got the jets back is up it's been 12 years we know that they're back now we want them to be good we don't want no one wants them to be mid no one wants that there is no demand for the jets to be mid i promise you and going back to the season ticket holder thing and the the disappointment in this and that like when did the issue of 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 selling tickets become a thing this season you know when it was it was when the jets were not up to their expectations that's the big thing it's expectations it's managing expectations like teams fan bases like to rally around young plucky teams and you you get more invested in it if if you go to a game and you see uh, Cole Perfetti, who's 20 years old at this point, let's just say. I, I don't know. Is he 20 years old? Who cares? Whatever. Uh, no, he's 21. He's 21 already? Jesus fucking Christ. God damn. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, if you come back, like, like if let's just say next year, the Jets tear it down, and they come back with and they get some players into the lineup. You see Dylan Sandberg playing in a top four role. You see Cole Perfetti as your, like, number one, number two center. You know, you finally let him there. And it's like... You don't have an expectation at that point. You don't have an expectation of making playoffs. So if you do make playoffs, it's found money. It's it's free. Um, and, and fans are just happy to be here and enjoy it. But then also it builds a rapport with your team where it's like you see the 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 glimpses and the flashes in the players that are developing. And you go, ooh, I really like that Cole Perfetti guy. I really like him. Um you know, it's, it's, his vision is nuts. It's crazy to see what he can do, uh, as he continues to get better and better. And then, uh, income, you know, a, a couple years time when all of your players have developed and are good, you like have a, a general, a genuine investment of like, not even money wise, emotionally into this team, into these players. And that's how you build a fan base. The big issue is managing expectations. I, I guarantee you the Jets would not have any issues with selling t- tickets. Or, uh, sorry, they wouldn't have any worse issues with selling tickets if all they did was set put out a thing being like, hey, we're going to take a step back for the next year or two, and we're going to look to you know build back to where we were in 27-18 and hopefully exceed that. And I guarantee you that will, have, will, will resonate so much more with... Uh, the fan base think of it just like a relationship in general would you rather your partner sit there and go no I I I I, you know the fact that I didn't put the dishes away the fact that I haven't done any chores in the house no it's it's fine like uh, we're you know we're 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 getting by the house gets cleaned every now and then and and it's not a big deal Uh, or would you rather them go hey listen I know that I haven't been kind of doing my part here uh and and I want to I want to help out and I'm sorry for that. And we're looking to, to be better. Like it, it really just has to do with communication and, and mentioning and talking to your fan base and being like, listen, guys, the, the reason we're doing this is so that we can be a very good team in two to three years. And again, it's just, I, I we look at it from now and, 
And who knows? Like we 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 could have taken a step back this past year. We could have done it. We could have sold off on on our Brendan Dillons, our Nate Schmitz, our our this guy, our that guy, our Mark Shifley while he has two years left, uh, our Pierre Dubois when we already know that he's wants to pack up and leave in two years. And we could have had uh, a year of of Dylan Sandberg in in the top four. We could have had a year of uh, of Vili Hanola actually playing NHL hockey. We could have had a year of uh, whatever the fuck, right? And and just making room for these players to develop, at some point you have to do that because or because at some point the Brennan Dillons aren't going to be here, the Josh Morrisseys are going to be coming up at the end of their contract soon, not yet, not yet, but in a bit, you know, and you got to have you got to have the next the next generation of players ready, and and that's what the Jets have failed at doing. They have not yeah. developed anyone at the NHL level since who like Kyle Connor, I guess. Yeah, I was gonna say you can't. You also can't be a team that flaunts that they're a draft and develop team, and be good every year. Like that's literally not how that works ever. Um, so there's just a lot of, I don't know. It just feels like I work in HR, right? Or I have worked in HR in different jobs, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, say your employees are like, "Hey, we're not getting paid enough um, to manage the, like how rigid our schedules are, and this, that, whatever." And then their boss is like, oh, okay. And they throw a pizza party. That's not what people are asking for. Or it's like, oh, or so we add another vacation day. It's like, no, that's like, it just seems like they're going about like, oh, people want to be happy. This is what we're going to do. It's like, why don't you ask them why they're not happy and then come up with a solution that fixes that reason they're not happy. It just seems like they're band-aiding solutions on this team. And they're like, oh, this is what the fans want. It's like, is it really? So, Yeah. I don't know, and we're writing this episode long, and I think we've probably, you know, dunked on this team enough, and we've dunked on them more in, like Brady mentioned earlier, our post-mortem after Game 5 of the Vegas series, which you can find on SGPN, on podcasts, or on YouTube, or whatever, um, where we talked about them more there. Uh, That was obviously pre-exit interview, so we had more to say now, of course, but all in all, um, I just hope I'm not bored this offseason. That's all I can ask for. Yeah. Yep, and uh, and on the topic of the off season, we'll we'll probably be a little bit more uh, active on here in the off season. We might see a little bit of changes. Who knows? We'll see what what comes. We're we're we've you know we're in discussions to figure out exactly where we want to take this, uh, and and how we can adapt it to work with our schedule next year uh, as we return for game over. Um, but it's going to be an interesting off season, and it'll be you know we're not even there yet. It's still the playoffs right now, so we'll probably be checking in a couple of more times. Uh, before the end of the uh, of the you know, playoffs here, uh, I wish luck to anyone uh, whose team is still in the playoffs and fighting the good fight. Um, but that'll probably be it for today. Again, we did run us a little long. We do apologize. But we do thank you for uh, for tuning in. Um, follow us on Twitter at CantySize, at NHL Chunky, at Liz Hood. Uh, check out Game Over Winnipeg on SDPN. Again, if you if you're a Jets fan, the the best thing you could do is go to listen to that episode uh, that that post mortem. Uh, we had Audie James on; he's fantastic uh, and helped us kind of figure out what where we're going there. Um, as he's kind of in a similar boat with the Flames. Um, but that will have to do it for today. Thank you all for tuning in and have yourselves a good one. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys soon.